You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. The Shadow Brokers open their Exploit of the Month Club at the low, low price of $22,000 in Zcash. Group IB finds more evidence that the Lazarus Group is a North Korean intelligence unit. Extortion, both real and bluffing, grows in underworld popularity, but Carters are still with us, alas. President Macron tells President Putin everyone's on to his use of Russia today and Sputnik News for disinformation. And if you're a regular Joe or Jane looking for some Android action, take this advice straight from the shoulder. Steer clear of Starhop and CandyLink. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Wednesday, May 31st, 2017. The Shadow Brokers have released more details of their Exploit of the Month Club. It will cost you about $22,000 per month to join. The club, say the brokers, whose identity remains at least publicly unknown, is, quote, being for high rollers, hackers, security companies, OEMs, and governments, end quote. Symantec and others have linked WannaCry to North Korea by its evident connection to the Lazarus Group. Skepticism about that attribution has been based in part on doubt that the Lazarus Group really is a tool of DPRK intelligence services. Researchers at Group IB, a Russian security firm with offices in Moscow and New York, have published the results of their investigation into the Lazarus Group. They conclude that, yes indeed, the Lazarus Group is in fact an agent of the North Korean government. Group IB looked at evidence found in the threat actor's command and control infrastructure. The Lazarus Group's attacks used three layers of IP addresses, and Group IB succeeded in identifying the two addresses at the bottom of the campaigns against Sony and Bangladesh Bank. The first address is assigned to China Netcom, a Chinese company. Group IB researchers, however, claim they have unconfirmed reports that this address was assigned to North Korea on an interim basis. About the second address, they have few doubts. As the researchers express it in their reports, quote, 175.45.178.222 refers to a North Korean Internet service provider. The Whois service indicates that this address is allocated to the Potanyang district, perhaps coincidentally, where the National Defense Commission is located, the highest military body in North Korea, end quote. That's consistent with earlier intelligence community conclusions that the Lazarus Group is in fact simply Bureau 121 of the DPRK's Reconnaissance General Bureau. BAE Systems had, on other grounds, reached the same conclusion in February. It's noteworthy that Group IB's attribution doesn't depend upon discerning similarities in attack code. The researchers find the Russian language snippets in the code to be bad Russian, and suggest the North Koreans put them there as intentional misdirection. This latest research simply ties the Lazarus Group more closely to North Korea. To attribute WannaCry to the Lazarus Group, as Symantec, Kaspersky, and others have done, is, while compelling, still circumstantial. 
New York-based security firm Flashpoint has noted, without insisting too much on the point, that the code used in the WannaCry campaign points to some fluency in Chinese, but also to broken Korean. There is, of course, as Flashpoint notes, a large Chinese diaspora, and it's possible to achieve fluency in a non-native language. Anyone who read Lord Jim in high school will recall that Joseph Conrad came late in life to English from his native Polish, and he seemed to do just fine. It's also possible to deliberately botch a language in which you're fluent. We is being looking at you, Shadow Brokers, and is thinking you is being doing that same thing to high rollers and OEMs. Sorry, our editorial staff insists on showing off their near-native proficiency in Shadow Broker English. Moving on. NIST, the National Institute of Standards and Technology, recently issued a call for revisions to its cybersecurity framework. Eli Khan is co-founder of the threat-hunting company Squirrel, and he checked in with us for an overview of the framework. The NIST risk management framework is, in my opinion, one of the more exciting things happening inside government today. It is becoming the de facto standard for not only how the government, but industry as a whole, manages cybersecurity risks. So there's been lots of frameworks developed over the time. Uh, NIST 800-53 has been sort of one of the primary documents around security controls, but those were really just lists of security controls and missing sort of the risk framework to wrap around them that is really designed to help an executive think about uh, how they want to manage cyber risks as a whole. So what are the risks that they're willing to accept? What are their overall risk levels that they want to push off to insurance type of controls? And then ultimately, what is the, their risk tolerance levels? How does this framework play into the recently released presidential executive order on cybersecurity? So it's actually at the core of it. The executive order calls for every government agency to adopt the risk management framework as their central way for managing risk within their organization. Now, it's not overly prescriptive. It's not saying exactly how each agency needs to implement that risk management framework, but it does say it must adopt it. But then uh, going through a process that looks at those inherent risk levels and then very thoroughly decides you know, what are the risk controls that it should adopt based on its inherent risk levels? And ultimately, you know, what are the, the risks that it's willing to accept, which would be the delta between its inherent risks and the controls that it adopts. And what kinds of comments and suggestions are being submitted in terms of the framework? There's been a lot of different comments and, and suggestions, um, a lot of them around further defining how to decide what risk controls are appropriate for certain risk levels, uh, and also comments on you know maybe some specific risk controls that weren't flagged in the risk management framework that should be identified. But you know from our perspective, there are some categories of controls that should have been included that weren't. For example, certainly one that we're quite focused on is the idea of threat hunting, and the the risk management framework you know specifically calls out automated detection processes as being important controls, but misses the idea of threat hunting and more human-driven detection processes. You know, we see threat hunting as a human-driven, iterative approach to detect cyber threats that have evaded detection by other defenses, really evade detection by your automated defenses. Uh, what we're advocating for is to be explicit in that you can't rely just on automated detection. You can't just rely on your automated rules in your SIM or your other sensors 
you need these human-driven processes also to proactively look for threats that have evaded detection from your, by your automated defenses. That's Eli Khan from Squirrel. Criminals are increasingly turning to extortion, both crypto ransomware and traditional blackmail. Sometimes the blackmail is a bluff, as Disney claims was the case in the Pirates of the Caribbean extortion attempt. Hackers did not, CEO Iger says, get into Disney servers. They were simply trying to hustle Team Mouse into paying up. Other blackmail is unfortunately quite real, as is the case with a threat to post before and after pictures of a Lithuanian plastic surgery clinic's patients. Older forms of commodity crime are still with us, too. Chipotle this week disclosed that it sustained a breach in its point-of-sale systems that affected most locations in North America. Customer pay card information is said to be at risk. French President Macron is disinclined to let Russian information operations pass unremarked. In a joint news conference held Monday with Russia President Putin, he called out Russian attempts to influence elections, specifically citing Russia Today and Sputnik as agents of influence, spreading disinformation. The two presidents' dialogue was characterized as frank and sincere, which we take to be diplomatic language for see you at knife point and I'm going to get you, sucker. And finally, there are other issues in Google's walled garden. Android users shopping for diversion in Google Play should avoid Starhop and CandyLink. Both apps are serving spam. And lest you be confused by the ambiguities of the word spam, we mean the bad kind of spam, all those tiresome heckling messages that cumber your device, not the tasty Hormel confection made of pork with ham, salt, water, potato, starch, sugar, and sodium nitrate. Now, if we could find an app that served up that kind of spam, we'd be all over it, as would every other person of taste and discernment. And with that, we conclude our special linguistic and gastronomic edition of the CyberWire podcast. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber.
And I'm pleased to be joined today by Justin Harvey. He's the Global Incident Response Leader at Accenture. Justin, welcome back to the show. Um, We wanted to talk today about uh, using offensive capabilities to test security, this whole notion of red teaming. But why don't we start off with that? Tell us, uh, what do we mean when we're talking about red teaming? Well, red teaming is has actually been an evolution or an evolutionary process. Years ago, organizations really wanted to know, do we have vulnerabilities in our networks and in our systems? And that's really where vulnerability management and vulnerability scanning came in. There was a need to see, well, can any of these actually be exploited? We know we have vulnerabilities, but can, they, can those be exploited? to show an effect. And that was what we would call penetration testing. And then uh, red teaming came along. And red teaming is a little bit more evolved than penetration testing in the sense that can you string along a few of these exploits against vulnerabilities on systems or networks in order to accomplish a mission? The next step after red teaming is adversary simulation, which is can you utilize these exploits uh, against known vulnerabilities in your network and the system in order to accomplish a mission that would, and then the the punchline is, in order to override a business process and in order to impact a business uh, critical function. So I'm an organization and I want to uh, set up a red team uh, to test my own defensive capabilities. How do I go about doing that? That's a great question. Uh, (laughs) In my opinion, it should really be after you've got a strong blue capability. Blue is the opposite of red in the security world, which is strong security operations. You've got a SIM in place. You're doing log management. You have great use cases, great threat intelligence. and, And you think that you've got that nailed pretty well. The red team is really there to provide the blue team a sparring partner. And the blue team is looking day-to-day at logs. They're going through analysis. They're looking at the events and the alerts. And it gets to be quite tiresome. And when you have a red team, this is a funny term, a friendly adversary, someone who you know isn't going to wreck your systems or to create an availability issue or steal your data, it really gives you a sparring partner to draw some great conclusions and see how your blue team would really react during an investigation or during an attack. All right. Interesting stuff. Justin Harvey, thanks for joining us. Struggling to secure on-prem apps with modern identity? Don't worry, you're not alone. Join industry leaders from Fortune 500 organizations to secure your apps on any cloud with any IDP, regardless of your environment's complexity. Meet Strata's identity orchestration platform, Mavericks. Say goodbye to the headaches of app refactoring and legacy tech debt. With identity orchestration, you can modernize legacy apps to use MFA or passwordless authentication in a few weeks. Migrate from one IDP to another and so much more without changing the app. No matter your IAM use case, Strata extends the value of your current identity investments. And the best part? You can try it for free today. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire to share your biggest identity challenge, and they'll hook you up with a complimentary pair of AirPods Pro. Don't miss out. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire. That's strata.io slash cyberwire.
And that's the Cyberwire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Hey all, Rick here. At N2K CyberWire, we're dedicated to continuously improving the quality of the news and commentary on our network. That's why we're inviting you to participate in our 2024 audience survey. It only takes a few minutes and your feedback is invaluable. Plus, you'll have the chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card as a thank you for your time. Head on over to cyberwire.com survey. That's cyberwire.com survey to share your feedback now.